All right, welcome in. It is another episode, another season of RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Basketball Edition. I'm AJ Hoffman. He is Griffin Warner back. This is our third year in a row together, Griffin. Is that right? Yeah, we're getting old. Yeah, look at us, man. Look at us. Like a couple of old uh, married folks. Uh, And we're going to do what we always do. We're going to uh, hit the big games of the week and give you a couple best bets for the college basketball season. Uh, We're going to talk some futures in this episode. And actually, let's go ahead and start with it. I'll be honest, Griff, there's only two teams that I liked futures on coming into this season uh, that I felt like there was was value on, and it may be getting sucked out of them. Um, I know you like to bet futures more than I do, uh, so I'll I'll let this sort of feature you, uh, but I'll, you know what? I'll just throw out the two that I like and they, they play in the same conference and I liked both these teams last year and, uh, felt like I had a good thing going with both of them. And I think both have a chance to be as good, if not better than they were a year ago. You'll laugh because I like Marquette. I know you're not a Shaka guy, but uh, but I, I, I like this squad. I like what they're sure. doing. It seems like, though, for for a Big East program, that they're uh, sort of trendy, and that's not ideal when you're betting futures. Um, usually the teams that are getting picked up on these futures are the Kansases and the Dukes and the North Carolinas and the Kentuckys, but uh, Marquette's gotten – they've gotten steamed up a little. And the other team I like is Creighton. And they, they lost a couple guys that I, I think they're going to miss. They picked up some guys that I think are going to help them immediately. And uh, I think they're well coached. And I, I, I the core of the guys I, I like, if they can stay healthy. If Kalkbrenner's healthy, I think this is still one of the better teams in the country. Um, so those are the two teams that I'm, I'm kind of interested in, though. Like I said, I think the numbers on both have kind of gotten out of the range of where I want to bet a future on them. Um, but I know you have a few, so I'll let you I'll let you take the the lead on this future segment and, and tell me why I'm missing some teams. Well, I, I'm not going to tell you you're missing too much because I feel like a lot of the strategy with betting futures is, uh, and as I think anyone who's listened to this podcast for a couple of years now will know that I really like the long shots. And uh, sometimes there'll be a Maryland that will have their coach quit mid season and they won't even make the tournament. But other times, I feel like there's a lot of big value that you can grab, um, though. Based on Florida Atlantic's run last season, I'm kind of thrown off a little bit now because literally anybody can get to the finals. Literally anybody can win the title. Um, And it's really, to me, about positioning and trying to grab a team that has an easier path to the tournament. Final, essentially, is really how to do it. But then you see teams like Purdue, a one seed last year that everyone thought might potentially throttle everyone, uh, lose to a 16 seed in the first round. So... Um, I think that's ultimately what I'm looking for when I'm trying to lock in a future. Um, I don't have as many this year that I've been looking at, to be honest with you. I'm probably going to be cramming for a lot of this evening as well, trying to look for more. Uh, but to to respond, I mean, Marquette, I think they did a ton last year to kind of change the perception of, of Shaka Smart. He's been to the Final Four before, disappointing end of their season last year, but a lot of that was due to uh, their point guard breaking his hand, essentially, and trying to play yeah. through it, which was problematic. Um, and then Grayton, I mean, they had such a deep run that could have kept going further, but unfortunately weren't able to really hold on to a game late. And then uh, that was, I guess it's the beauty and also the curse of the NCAA tournament is one performance that doesn't go well for 40 full minutes and you're out wondering what the heck just happened to you. Um, And so I don't really have a a lot I can point out in those teams. Creighton certainly was, I think the bell of the ball going into the tournament or excuse me, going into the season last year um, and got bet down quite a bit uh, from, 
once they got Baylor Shireman inked, which I feel like hopefully he's a little bit more adjusted to better, I guess, opponents this year. Yeah. You know, I know you didn't like him last year. I'm a fan of his game. Uh, so I, I, I actually think that I, I think he's a, a key piece for them. I mean, anyone with the stats that he put up at South Dakota State could be um, a difference maker, could be a player of the year candidate in the Big East. Um, all those sort of things. I, I just felt like moving on and kind of his game of playing low post, um, being a great three-point shooter, free throw shooter, all that sort of stuff, being like a, a low post summit player, then moving to the Big East where you're playing a different level of, of talent and size, ultimately. Um, that's what I was most questioning. But we also had that awful run from Creighton when Kalkbrenner got mono or whatever, yeah. lost six games in a row, and then everything turned around. So um, I think ultimately, and kind of the, the one future that I've really looked at was Auburn at 66 to one at bet online to win, win the, uh, to win the title. And, and pretty much it's kind of along those, I think theoretical lines that you're putting out there with Marquette and Creighton is that they're in conferences that they can stack up a lot of wins on. Um, and ultimately I'm just looking for trying to find long shots that could potentially get high seeds in the NCAA tournament. I don't love Auburn. They certainly scare me with how little they care about what shots they shoot, um, their coaching staff seems to be okay with just launching threes all the time, which I think makes them very vulnerable on the road. But they've got a great home court environment. I would say the same about Creighton that you just outlined. Maybe not so much to Marquette, but also um, still a team that that throttled the, the Big East last year and two teams that could stack up a bunch of wins in a pretty top-heavy conference and then um, try to get a 3-2-1 type of seed. And then uh, at least you got an easy first game unless you're Purdue. Yeah, I'm interested to see how the Big East performs overall this year. It was such a backward season last year because Villanova stunk for the first time in forever. Uh, I wonder if they get back to form in some – I mean, they're probably not all the way back to form, but I doubt they're as bad as they were a year ago either. Uh, but that's one of the conferences I'm most interested in. I wanted to ask you in sort of an overarching uh, standpoint, this is – you know, we're, I think we're year three of the transfer portal really being like the Wild West – Early season handicapping is so much more difficult now than it was. And you tell me if you if you feel differently, but as I was going through the teams, you know, over the last couple of weeks and trying to kind of get a feel for who I like, who I don't like, what moves I like, what moves I don't like, almost everybody's roster is so different than it was a year ago. Like normally, like the last couple of seasons or like the the three or four seasons prior to the transfer portal opening this wide. It was there's two or three guys who graduated. Maybe a guy transferred and you brought in some freshmen. Maybe you brought in a transfer or a JUCO. I mean, now, like some of these Mac schools, there's like eight or nine new players every year. Uh, and some of them down transferred, some of them up transferred. And some of the guys they brought in are up transfers, some are down. I mean, it's, it's really hard to keep track of. And in, like you mentioned with, uh, with Shireman, like you kind of wonder how guys are going to fit in at different levels and you don't really know until you see it. So I'm not going into this season guns blazing on a lot of teams. Like I don't feel like I've got a great feel for a lot of teams. I want to see what we've got. I want to um, I, I want to kind of see how these guys start to fit in and get a feel before I start firing like real bullets uh, at any of these games, because it, it does seem like there's going to be way more variance than we're used to, uh, you know, like three or four years ago. Yeah. I, so for me in the past, uh, winning 
seasons essentially hinged on how well I did in the preseason or like before conference play. Conference play usually became a really, really tough slate for me. And then I, I think I generally did pretty well in the conference tournaments and really the NCAA tournament was where I try to do the best. NIT as well, I think is also a really underrated place to find some value. Um, I had a really bad start to last year though, and uh, really turned it on, kind of had a run. I don't think I'll ever be able to repeat, but certainly we'll try to again in conference play. Um, really backing teams playing on home courts that were underpriced, which still didn't make a lot of sense to me uh, for months and months of it working. But I make lines and then I compare them to what's put out there by odds makers. And then uh, I really try to put rotations in of 10 players I'm expecting to play for each team. And I don't think there's any way to possibly do that right now. It's hard to know who plays with each other, who plays well with each other. Um, and I think from last year's experience, I'm going to start a little bit slower this year as well and try um, to f- kind of, and, and really what I've done with tomorrow's lines, essentially we're recording the Sunday night for Monday's, uh, openers. Um, I've really been looking for, um, just lines that I wasn't really expecting and, and kind of making some mental notes or just even notes in general on my laptop to be like, okay, this, the market seems to like this team a lot more than I do or dislike the other team they're playing. Um, and I'm honestly going to have a bunch of notes out there and, and really kind of try to see what happens with that because, um, that's, I think a good spot to know really what our level is and then really how far we need to learn because this portal has changed things entirely and it's made offseason prep, um, that much more difficult, maybe that much more successful for people who are great at it. But, uh, I think I'm going to start with caution at first. Yeah. And you, you, and what's crazy is you, I mean, you came off a great season last year. Uh, it was one of my worst seasons and it, I was very disappointed. It was such a bad season because I, I absolutely killed closing line value. Like I almost every number I had, like I, I would be winning by two or three points. Uh, like I was getting these early numbers and I, I normally, if you give me an average of two or three points of closing line value, I, I feel like I'm dominating every season. And then last season, that was not the case. And I think a lot of it was the market not also like not it wasn't just us who didn't know how these teams were going to react or how players were going to fit i think it's just market wide like uh everybody who bets on these games there's some uncertainty so uh it'll be interesting to see if it changes this year if it's easier this year but again tread lightly early on i will say that all right yeah Let's jump in. We've got a few games that we're going to look at for this week. Um, there's not a lot of marquee stuff going on this week, and that's okay. There's like a million games on Monday. You'll find something you like, I'm sure. Check out a team or two that you're interested in. Get a, get some eyes on them. And like I said, don't feel like you've got to bet every game. Uh, I'm, I think I might have three or four wagers for for tomorrow's slate of, of a million games. So I, I'm going to yeah, take it yeah. real easy and just see how we go. But there is a, a pretty solid game tomorrow. And we'll look at that one. USC minus three against Kansas State. That is here at T-Mobile in Las Vegas. And uh, I'm curious, Griffin, I'll let you take the lead on this. I, I think I, I, I like this USC team more than I expected to. Uh, I, I think that maybe the, the Bronny James not being there factor is turning people off in a way that it probably shouldn't. Like, I, he's certainly not the best recruit that they had coming in this season. Right, but his name was so big that it felt like they lost something, and I'm not sure they did. What are your thoughts on USC? Well, I think I mean anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I've really been in love with USC and Indy Enfield. I actually saw him at the Final Four and thought about seeing, hey, can I take a picture for you? Because it would explain <laughs> a lot of uh, how much I talk about you. Uh, but I didn't catch him close enough. But anyway, 
Um, yeah, USC, I, I think Ronnie James on a roster and then his heart condition and then whatever, whenever he's going to come back to the team or, or debut um, will be certainly have a lot of fanfare. But this team's great. It's been really good. It's been over, I think, overlooked over the last few seasons. I think UCLA clearly is one of, is the more premier program in that city. But um, there's room for two good ones. Um, Enfield has been awesome since his Dunk City days. Took them a little while to get some sort of traction at USC, but they always have great players and they always seem to outperform, especially against the spread. Um, so I've been really trying to back them as much as I can. I don't see a real reason to change that until potentially we're looking at the numbers potentially changing as well, because maybe um, the market will finally catch up to them. But I honestly feel like that should have happened years and years ago. Um, I don't know if it was last year or maybe two years ago that I had a future on them. Um, after this, and they started the year out like 16 and 0 or something, some incredible win streak to start the season. And then, um, still didn't really get a lot of respect and we're covering left and right. We're getting really soft spreads, even, uh, in conference at home against teams like Utah and other things like that in the Pac 12, which is unfortunately, I think, dying a, a slow or very quick death, depending on how you think about it. So, um, I'm I'm really interested in them. I, I feel like, uh, coaching has been a question there, but I, I think Annie Enfield's answered those questions. Um, and, and really my question now is how on the other side, Kansas state deals, uh, with replacing a, a heart and soul point guard who drove me absolutely insane last year. And I just could never get him on his hot nights. I would seem to be against him or be on him on his cold nights. But, um, Tyler Perry coming in is a great player as well. Uh, they got Kaluma speaking of Creighton transfer. Um, but I guess it's probably not even notable to, to note those things. There's so many that are flying different directions. Um, to me, there's so much more talent on the USC side that um, any price that we're going to see out here against K-State is really going to be a, a, like a system versus talent type of situation. It does take a little while for talented teams to kind of get gelled or, or learn how to play together. But um, I think you could say that about any team, especially with so many transfers in this portal life we live in. Yeah, well, I, I mean, obviously, Isaiah Collier is going to be a, a key. for if, you, if USC is great this year, it'll be because Isaiah Collier is great and he and Boogie Ellis like have a chance to be one of the best backcourts in the country. Uh, but I also think like some of the guys they brought back, Kobe Johnson, Josh Morgan, that's a, that's a big deal. And bringing in DJ Rodman uh, from Wazoo, which mm-hmm. it kind of boosts you on both ends. I think with Kansas State, like you said, I mean, losing not just Marquis Snow, but also Keontae Johnson, they're, they're in Oklahoma City and Toronto. Now, I guess Toronto and Oklahoma City, respectively. But uh, then Naquan Tomlin being suspended for – I guess brawling, uh, getting arrested for uh, disorderly conduct or whatever it was. Mm, mm. Every team loses players, but the, the the team on the floor tomorrow night is not going to be the same team Jerome Tang had out there last year, and it's not even close. Um, I like Arthur Kaluma, obviously. I mentioned that I like Creighton last year. I like that ad. Yeah. I like Tyler Perry from North Texas. Those guys are going to help as the season goes on. Those are those are guys who are winners in my mind. They're going to figure it out and compete. I think Jerome Tang's a great coach. I just don't think it's going to be right away. So to me, early in the season specifically, I trust talent. Uh, you know, when we're talking about these teams that have all these moving parts, if it was the same team you had from last year to, la- to the year after that, the year after that, you you trust these teams to gel and know the system and know how things are supposed to work. For the first couple of weeks, when everybody's got new parts, I trust talent. And right now, it looks like USC just has a lot more talent. So I, I, I like USC minus three here. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. Um, it feels like if there's anywhere this one's moving, it's it's moving up, I think, north uh, towards USC minus three and a half or four or something like that. All right, let's look at Baylor and Auburn. This is a Tuesday game, and Baylor should be super solid again. Like, 
they've kind of turned into a factory because they lose Keontae George. They lose LJ Cryer to Houston. They lose Adam Flagler. But then they bring in five-star Jacoby Walter, who's like a top 10 recruit in the country. They bring in two four-star top 40-ish players and Miro Little and, and he's Missy. And then they add Jaden Nunn from VCU, Ray J. Dennis from Toledo, who I think both immediately jump into the backcourt mix. They still got Everyday John. They've still got Jalen Bridges, solid front court. It's just hard to not trust what Scott Drew's doing at this point. It feels like he's just got it together there. And with Auburn, I don't really know what to expect. Uh, like, Wendell Green is a big loss. He was their highest usage player, their primary ball handler last year. Now he's playing with the main Celtics of the G League, which I don't know why he left when he did, but what's a different story. Yeah, uh, They brought in Denver Jones from FIU. He's a 20-point-per-game guy when he's there. Chaney Johnson, I don't know much about him, honestly, a D2 player who like they, they, they say is going to eat up big minutes for Bruce Pearl. The exhibition game, I, I watched some of it, and it was a weird lineup. Uh, Katie Johnson and Jalen Williams are guys who I would have expected to be starters. They didn't start. Uh, they have a five-star freshman in Aiden Holloway who didn't play at all. I guess he's got an ankle injury. Uh, Johnny Broom left with an injury. I don't know what his status is for this game. They say he's okay, but I, I don't know. And then I also, thinking about Auburn, I, looked, I was like, man, I feel like they just withered down the stretch last year, and they did. They lost 10 of their last 15 games. Um, there's just a lot of questions I have about Auburn. And again, the rosters look so different than they did at, at, you know, at the end of the season, but uh, I, I feel like I trust the Bears more right now in basically kind of a pick 'em situation. What do you think? I, I, I'm, yeah. sure, I'm guessing you're on the other side because, like you said, you like Auburn as like a future, but is that a future future? Like, do you think they get better as the year goes on? I think it's a future future, and it's a, an idea that they get to play home games, which are um, very important to them and are going to be a really, really tough place for anyone in the SEC to go to win. Um, we don't have that here. Uh, like you said, there's a lot of injuries and just all the sort of things that are up in the air coming into the season. Uh, Jani Broom not playing would be a big, big problem. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think it's it's ultimately it's Auburn. I mean, there are two systems and they're pretty rigid. And I think um, one is more uh, accustomed to winning in the NCAA tournament and in big games. And that's Scott Drew's side as opposed to Bruce Pearl's, which is, um, I think, really good at beating up teams that aren't as good as you. Uh, and I think in this situation, there's not that talent gap or um, physicality gap or, or kind of stick to gap that, that I think Auburn are really looking for. And that's kind of where they try to separate themselves and try to build up that resume. That, that's more my future point of view. Um, from a Baylor side, though, I mean, they've been an awesome team for a really long time, despite um, coming from the depths of, of whatever happened with Dave Bliss back in the day. Uh, I do feel like there's been a little bit, um, I think you could probably call it underachieving from Baylor because they've had such high expectations, but there's, I guess, um, pressure is a privilege or something in that way where it's one of those things where you're only as good as your expectations deserve because you've built such a great program powerhouse that was so good. So I'm I'm curious to see if, and I feel like a lot of that has come from Baylor kind of having a lack of depth or having injuries hit at the wrong time and then just not being a replace players. I think that's something that I would expect Scott Drew has taken to heart. And with all these additions, it seems like that's another thing. Um, having enough to kind of let LJ Cryer go or however he decided to leave or yeah. whatever that was, um, I think says if he wasn't like fighting like heck to try to keep them, that there's um, some faith there that there's a lot more kind of depth that, that maybe this will be a little bit different of a Baylor team. 
early in the season, I think is the best time to back Baylor because they're not going to have to worry about those things as much as they will in December or January or in tournament time when it's been really hurting them. So, um, but I'm, I'm pretty with, I'm about as with you as I can be on this one, because to me, it, it seems like, um, the Auburn style is just one that is kind of reserved for home games and neutral courts where there's tournament stuff on the line, where I think this is so early in the season. We've had a lot of time to prepare for it uh, from a Baylor point of view. So um, that's the way I'd lean as well. Last game we'll look at before we get to best bets is New Mexico at St. Mary's. For those of you who don't know, if you're new to the podcast, we record on Sunday night and that's for Monday through Thursday games. And then we record on Thursday night for the Friday, Saturday, Sunday slate. And this game is on Thursday, so you got some time. We project lines. So on games that aren't lined, it's not like college football or the NFL where we know a week in advance what the line is. Uh, the books don't put up lines until the day before the game. So often we have to create what we expect them to be. I think it's really difficult to do that uh, early in the season. And so I, I want to kind of preface whatever lines I say. Uh, the first two I've seen numbers for this, this number I'm making up on my own. So, uh, don't expect this to be gospel. It's all can move. And we, you know, we, we try to be fluid with it as we can. Uh, but I'm, I'm predicting New Mexico, uh, plus five at St. Mary's. I don't know if that sounds close to what you had, but, um, that's what we'll go with. And it's, it's a, unlike these other two games, uh, this is a true, home road game. I, I don't, I don't think we mentioned that the, they're playing that Auburn Baylor game at the Pentagon, uh, which like you said, it, it is a factor, particularly for Auburn who has such a massive home court advantage, not the DC Pentagon, the college right. basketball Pentagon for everyone, In which South Dakota, which <laughs> yes. I don't know why teams, why, why these teams are going to South Dakota. I don't know, but th- that's what they're doing. Nicest time of year, you know? Um, so I'm going to go with New Mexico plus five at St. Mary's as the line. And I, I generally, if that's the line, and again, it's hard to like a line when you create it and you say, this is what I think it'll be. Uh, I'm, I'm going to lean to New Mexico here. If it is plus five, they're a team I want to play on again this year. And it was really good for me early last season. And it kind of got bad for me late in the season as the market kind of caught up to them. Uh, they only bring back two starters. That's the bad news. The good news is it's Jamal Mashburn Jr. and Jalen House. And if you said, hey, you can only bring back two starters, those are the two that uh, Patino would have wanted to bring back. And they add Jamal Baker from Fresno. They add Nelly Jr. Joseph from Iona. That's uh, Thanks, Dad. Uh, oh, appreciate oh. that on your way out. And Mustafa Amzil comes in from Dayton. He could run the point in a three-guard system, which opens up Mashburn and House both to be more, if you can be more scoring-oriented uh, for those two guys. They're going to have a ton of backcourt depth and experience. I think they're well-coached. You mentioned home-court advantages. Uh, they've still got one of the best in the country there at the pit. And don't get me wrong, I think St. Mary's is going to be good again. Uh, they, there's a reason why, for the first time in like a million years, they're picked to to win the conference over Gonzaga. Uh, Aiden Mahaney's back. Alex Ducas is back. Uh, Mitchell Saxon's back. Uh, Marshall Lunis, who I, I liked last year, is back. And it, they, they, they've got a solid base. They also brought in a couple of top-level U20 Australian kids. It seems like they're dominating that Australian market. Yeah. Um, and those guys are going to contribute eventually. I don't know how quickly. I think these teams, though, at the end of the day, should be power rated within a point or two of each other. So I'm not going to be able to get to five, even in a road game, particularly that knowing that New Mexico still might have the best player on the floor. 
So I, I, I like the dog in this matchup, and I like the team coming from the stronger conference. It's like yeah, the, the Mountain West is like New Mexico competed with the best teams in the Mountain West all year last year. Um, and not like the WCC is a cakewalk, but I think it's certainly still a step behind the Mountain West. What do you see with these two teams? Well, I don't know how much Stanislaus State is really going to uh, challenge St. Mary's in their opener, but I guess it's good to get one game out of the way and one win on your record. Randy Bennett forever going to be scheduling uh, the worst teams possible. But I mean, New Mexico's playing Texas Southern tomorrow, which I mean, is hey. quite Stanislaus State or whatever that made up place is, but you know. Yeah, who knew Stanislaus was a state in, uh, in the U.S. of A. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I, Texas Southern, you know, hey, they've been in that tournament a lot of times. Stanislaus State, I still can't even guess what's, what's – I'm guessing it's California. But regardless, back to this. Um, I think that number is actually very short to me. Uh, if five comes out, I'm, I'm that's still a tough number for me to play just because there's so much talent on the New Mexico roster, I'll admit. But – um, I'm just used to St. Mary's bludgeoning teams at home. Maybe it hasn't yeah. been the same way lately. Um, I feel like as last year, they were a little bit more inconsistent than they've been in the past. But um, And it's also a big matchup of, to me, littles and bigs, where uh, I guess St. Mary's is not as deep in the front court as they have been in the past, and that's usually where they just destroy teams. Um, and Mustafa Amzil, like, if he's run the point at six foot nine, that that is a scary, scary type of situation. Like... I have a memory of someone at Iowa State doing that, a transfer from way back when, back when Iowa State was running that all. Uh, Royce Freeman, Royce Lewis, something yeah. like that. Too too much fantasy football is going to my mind. Some sort of Rolls Royce was out there. But um, that could be a team that becomes something really good. And this is a great test for them early in the year where a loss really wouldn't mean too much. Um, and you can lose by four points and still cover based on your projection. But I'm thinking it might even be higher than that. Um, and might give you a little bit more interest in uh, that type of play. Um, I'm forever going to expect St. Mary's at home to play well until they've kind of shown some some flaws or some holes. Um, it's very hard to know what you're getting with under 20s from Australia, but yep. uh, that, that pipeline has seemed to work fairly well for St. Mary's in the past. So um, that's probably a game I want to watch because I want to see what – because. I know that you were on New Mexico a ton last season. They're kind of a blind spot for me and then had this gaudy record. And it seemed like whenever I got onto them or was watching them more, it was when they were kind of on that little downward spiral that you mentioned. So um, I'm a little bit curious about who they are. And of course, more time in the system, more time together will be only a good thing. Plus adding in all this talent is great as well. Um, That's, I think, going to be one of those watch and sees for me that early in the season, I think there will be a lot of, um, and really, I think I'm just going to focus on these neutral court tournaments and try to pick winners. Uh, who's going to win a game? And I think you're thinking of Royce White, or two or three. Uh, Houston put that on my Houston card Rockets legend will, Royce White, uh, who uh, holiday shopping famously couldn't expensive. get on airplanes, which makes it very difficult to be an ah, NBA thank player. Um, thank you. Not ideal. Yes. Not yes, ideal. All right, guys. Right. Yeah. Let me uh, help you guys out. If you go to pregame.com and you use. Hey. The promo code you DUNK20, same, same you can get 20% off any basketball subscription. That includes my full season <laughs> college basketball, Griffin's full season college basketball. Um, Mackenzie Rivers is fantastic with the NBA, like a two-year record that's unmatched anywhere I've ever seen. Uh, Steve Fezzik has, has done great in the NBA as well. So uh, use the promo code DUNK20. You get 20% off any package, any basketball package, basketball subscription package. And I think there's combo packages as well. So like you, you can take your favorite NBA guy and your favorite college basketball guy, package them together, twenty percent off with that promo code Dunk Two Zero. And if you're not if you're not looking for something big, you want to just get a best bet, 
How about this? Hoops 10 gets you $10 off anything at pregame.com. So just throw that in your in your promo code instead. Hoops 10 will get you $10 off a of best bet, which is usually $25. Bucks. Uh, save you 10 bucks there as well. All right, Griffin, let's get to best bets. I'll take the lead here. I've got a Monday game, an early game, and I'm going with a total. And when I saw this number, I was like, that's too high initially. And it, I, I feel like it's probably six or seven cool. points too high. So this is my my favorite play for the card on Monday. And it's Princeton and Rutgers under 137 and a half. And I think that Princeton is a team. I, I don't want to say they had a phony run because it was, I mean, it was a cool thing to watch in the tournament. Like it's, it's always fun when a team like that wins some games, but they were able to hang on the boards with Arizona and Missouri. Two teams that aren't the most physical, um, and it made the Princeton offense that g- gave them more chances than they probably should have had. Rutgers is not going to let them get anything on the glass, and Rutgers is gonna. It's Rutgers basketball. It's what like this team should be. What the stereotypical Rutgers team is. They should be super slow. They should be super physical. They should dominate on the glass, and. I think that's bad news for a Princeton team that's replacing a lot of parts. New guys in this offense take time to grab on. This is a tough road environment, playing against a team with a bunch of physicality. I expect them to be ground to a trickle early on in this game. So uh, I think this game's closer to 132. Uh, So give me uh, Princeton at Rutgers under 137.5 for my first best bet of the season. Where are you going? Yeah, seeing a Rutgers total uh, above with a one three zero even is seems gigantic to me. I don't know, especially with all the the talent that's kind of transferred out of the program after not making the tournament last year. I'm going to go uh, a little bit north from there uh, into the mountain ranges. I'm going to take Towson, a 15 point underdog on the road at Colorado. Um, Towson to me has been a team I've been trying to back for years, but they're not really in, they don't get these games against really big power conference teams to get these gigantic spreads. And finally we have one. Um, I'm a little bit concerned definitely about, uh, elevation and how that uh, impacts college basketball players, but, uh, especially coming from Baltimore, but I think Colorado's really hasn't been a team that I've been very afraid of in, in most recent years and i don't really think that they get off to a, a dominant early start looks like a really weird 6 30 central time tip as well so i don't know how that impacts the uh the crowd fan base uh out in boulder but uh especially they probably don't even know a game's going on on november 6th like most of the world as well so give me town plus thousand plus 15 i think kj simpson's really good and they've got the the top recruit in the history of their program it's the it's I forget his first name, but it's it's Jalen Williams' brother, uh, who's you know obviously plays for the Thunder and in, in Cody. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, Jalen is. I don't know. I mean, if Cody's half of Jalen, then you're in pretty good mm. shape. Um, but this looks like it's a pretty good Buffs team. Yes, I do like Towson though. Generally, and 15's a lot early on. I'm with you. The the concern would be the elevation and how these kids handle it and. Uh, that's always a big question. I think particularly it's a bigger question early in the season when guys aren't in full shape, and that's going to be interesting uh, to see. So uh, Colorado, one of the few teams in the Pac-12 that generally their team looks a lot like it looked last year, and you know it feels like they're headed in the right direction. But again, the early season, who knows? But I, I, I like Towson quite a bit, so that's a, I think it's a good, good chance to uh, take, a, take a stab with that team against a Colorado team that, you know, they're if, again, if this is their best player coming in or the potential to be their best player by the end of the season, try to attack them early on. 
All right, there you go. That is going to do it for our first episode. As I mentioned, these shows will come out every Monday morning, every Friday morning, uh, and we will try and cover as much as we can. And again, as we see, if as we get more data points, I think we're going to get more and more comfortable. Uh, where it doesn't feel like we're throwing darts on who's who's in these rotations and who's getting to play and who's sitting on the bench. Uh, but either way, I- I'm excited to have college basketball back, excited to have the pod back. <laughs> By the way, you can hear this on both feeds right now, RJ Bell's Dream Preview and SOV, the Straight Out of Vegas feed. Uh, eventually, you will only hear it on the Straight Out of Vegas feed. So make sure you're subscribed to that feed. Uh, that's where this pod will be most of the season. So go and check it out straight out of Vegas AM. If you haven't subscribed to that pod, please do. All right, Griffin, appreciate you, man. Glad to be back. And we will talk to you on Friday. 